This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Views and opinions expressed in the podcast and social media are our own and do not represent that of our places of work. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions, or corrections of errors. Welcome to Nothing Nothing Happens in a Small Town. So we need help with corrections, huh? Because we can't speak (laughs) words. Yeah. So uh, this week has been interesting. Um, I am taking a horror writing class, which is really fun. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Bad sound effects. Sorry. I might uh, have a, a little story for you guys at the end if there's enough time, you know. Storytelling, yay! <laughs> um, and then coming up, we're gonna have a um, a new episode that is very close to home for one of our devoted listeners. Hey, Dad! <laughs> this would be Missy's dad. Yes. And so. actually, I remember this story really well too. I just wasn't as closely tied to it as your father was yeah so we we might even uh he's going to be in town visiting and so we might even try and get him to you know come on the show and come on dad you can do it (laughs) you know he can maybe tell us his personal account of what happened and uh so we're excited for that one and we have several other episodes that we we've talked about and and we're we're really getting excited about um and we're really loving our our small following. Yes. Hi Doris again. Hi Doris. <laughs> I love Doris. <laughs> yes, she's one of Missy's uh are she a work friend? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cuz I've only met her at Pilates yes. when we're coming and going and what have you. We go to the same Pilates studio. Yes. And yeah, so both Tara and I do Pilates. Um, Tara does a lot more classes than I do. I do about once a week. You do what? like Almost every day. Yeah. Six days a week. Um, basically, I've got screwed up back, screwed up ankle, used to have plantar fasciitis issues between going to Club Pilates, good shout out to Club Pilates, and <laughs> seeing our lovely instructors such as Shelby and Carla, Paulina, Anita, she's my favorite. <laughs> Teresa. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a good time. Abby, uh, basically, it's part of how I keep myself and my current level of broken, not more broken than I currently am. Yeah. It definitely helps me with some of my medical issues, keeping things together and just staying active. And um, I'd love to do more. But for me, timing, I just can't make it work instead i i walk a lot with my neighbor and do a little shout out to bonnie (laughs) (laughs) yeah i started doing uh i'd done mat pilates way back when i think i was in my early to mid 30s and then i when i found out i was gonna have major surgery on my abdomen i'm like hmm maybe i should put myself in good position to recover and started pilates before then and it's been really great. I mean, there's still some areas that, you know, abdominal surgery is weird. Ask any woman who's had a C-section or a hysterectomy. There's just some stuff that may never go back to normal. But it's it's really good to have a strong core. And I think that helps. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for me, it's it's more just the, the fact that Pilates is, it does kind of build muscle. And it's really gentle on the joints, which is where my issues lie. So. Yeah. And it's a total body workout that 
every time you're doing some work, you then stretch after you're done. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really cool. Yeah. And so if you can't tell, we love Pilates. <laughs> I was just going to um, say, wow, this has turned into a Pilates <laughs> advertisement. Yes. Wasn't expecting so, that, but hey. Club Pilates, you might want to sponsor us. <laughs> <laughs> as well as, again, newspapers, you might want to sponsor us. Same with Ancestry, because I get a lot of information from them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, since we've been trying to focus on um, a bit older cases, just because yeah. for lots of reasons. But um, one of them is looking at neat, neat old print. It's just really fun it's to look fun. at yeah. the other articles that are embedded when you're actually pulling newspaper articles. That's always laughing. One of the, I mean, not it, it, it's not funny to be reading through murder uh, articles, but when you're like, oh, look, embedded on the same page, Kansas students saying happy birthday to President Eisenhower. So that can give you kind of an idea of the uh, time period we're looking at now. Yes. But it's just, it's interesting to read all those. And there was some dude in Danville, Illinois, who was arrested for, what was it? He was um, stealing and transporting a stolen corn. Yeah. So, you know, whatever. I mean. We are looking back at Illinois, if that wasn't obvious. Danville, (laughs) Illinois was that particular story. Today's story is actually uh, a Kiwani native who had moved to Galesburg, Illinois, Yes, which is nearby. So that's where we start today. We've got Ray May Krause. Um, she was born in Kiwani in 1931. She was a divorced mother of three, and she's 27 years old. She was living on state aid and receiving $80 a month. Um, living in an apartment that was rented at $60 per month, and she was receiving $60 a month in child support from her ex-husband. And she worked as a waitress at the Hill Arcade Cafe in Galesburg. And just kind of, I'm telling a lot of these facts of, you know, $60 per month, $80 per month. If you think about that in today's world, I mean, it's just, it's like, I remember coming out to Maryland and I was living in Omaha, Nebraska and coming here and rent here is like astronomical comparison. Oh, yeah. And, but trying it's... to explain people back home. I mean, my half a million dollar home, you're like, it looks like it might be a hundred thousand dollars in yeah. Kewanee, Illinois. And, you know, I'm telling people here that my mother bought a house when my mom sold my the first house that I lived in. I bought a car within the same month. And my car was more expensive than the house I grew up in. Yeah. So it's just just kind of thinking about cost of things. And I mean, this is, uh, this whole thing happened, um, what year did this happen in? I have it somewhere. Oh my gosh. Was this 1957? I think 59. Oh yeah, 59. Sorry. Because yes. I'm staring yes, yes. at the age of his vehicle yes throwing me i know it it is a little bit but yeah so this is back in 1959 and you know you're thinking about the cost my mother was nine years old of rent (laughs) is 60 dollars per month just just and granted this is galesburg which um it's funny to see the word city in front of galesburg as much as it's funny (laughs) to see the word city in front of kiwani yeah because galesburg is only like Nowadays, $32,000 listen to me. People, you know, <laughs> yes. money on the mind here since we're talking about rent. So it's, it's, a, it's not going to be as expensive as, again, around the D.C. area in Maryland. But, yeah. 
So at 6 p.m. on one Friday evening, Ray May was having dinner with her two children. Her third child lives in Kewanee, Illinois, with her ex-husband. At 8 p.m., a police officer checks on a couple at a location called Lover's Lane. Mr. Robinson was in his 1959 Ford and a woman believed to be Ray May Krause, but the officer wasn't sure of that. At 9 p.m., Ray May dropped off her children with Mr. and Mrs. Joe Cecil. She returned with another woman who drove to her apartment. She asked her landlady to wake her at 6 a.m. for a hair appointment, and then she left with the lady whom her landlady did not know. Uh, The two women are next seen at a tavern around 10 p.m. They had a couple of drinks and then changed taverns. At the second establishment, Mrs. Krauss, or Ray May, um, her companion left um, with someone else that she had met. Uh, The woman told police that Ray May was dancing with a man around 11 p.m., At 11.30 p.m., Mr. Robinson entered and had a drink with Ray May. Now, this is, uh, I'm going to backtrack just a little bit. They're actually at a a tavern called Johnny's Tavern. Um, The two left the bar at midnight. Ten minutes later, Ray May's mother received a phone call from her saying that she had met the nicest man Jerry Roberts, and that he had agreed to drive her and her children to Kiwani on Saturday. That was the last time that Ray May was heard from. And you'll notice Jerry Roberts is not the same as um, Gerald Robinson. Gerald Robertson. So don't know if, she, yeah, he was just using assumed names or what have you. He yeah. seems like a bit of a ladies' man here. Yeah, we'll get into that shortly. Uh, Mr. Robinson, Gerald Robinson, was a 46-year-old father of seven. Um, yeah, he got around. Hanging out with a 27-year-old <laughs> mother of three. Um, he was known to have checked into a hotel in Galesburg at Friday at 7 p.m. Uh, he left the hotel at 8 p.m., not returning again until 2 a.m. Uh, no one saw him leave. When his room was checked, his suitcases were missing, and his bed did not appear to be slept in. So he also was known to be like a carpenter or a construction worker, yeah, somehow working with construction. Um, and he was working in Kiwa- or I'm sorry, in Chicago, Illinois, and he was returning to Galesburg, Illinois, on the weekends. He had a few girlfriends, a few, a few. Um, <laughs> And, you know, girlfriends, lady friends he liked to dance with and maybe do other things with. Yeah. He got around. So the next morning around 9 a.m., Mr. Robinson picked up his 17-year-old girlfriend again. He's 46. He's got lots of girlfriends. Um, And the two headed to Peoria. They stopped in Knoxville for lunch. Robinson purchased an automatic pistol and ammunition from a sporting goods store. And he didn't just, you know, swing by. They actually sat out in the parking lot for a little while waiting for that sporting goods shop to open. Yes. So this was a very intentional purchase of this weapon. Yep. Along the drive onto Peoria, Robinson stopped, loaded two rounds into the gun, and fired them out one window. One round jammed, he cleared it, and fired it again. He stopped at a gas station, phoned the sporting goods store, complaining that they sold him a faulty gun. Ray May was reported missing that same day, Saturday, September 26, 1959. So 
fun fact number one, or is it really fun or are we just giving like some historical information here? I did a little dive on Galesburg. Obviously, Galesburg is not that far from our hometown, if that isn't obvious. I mean, mm-hmm. um, we used to go shopping there a lot. Oh, yeah, that, that was really the closest mall yes. was Galesburg. And if you didn't find it in Galesburg, you either went to the Quad Cities or down to Peoria. Yes. And those were about an hour drive from our home. Right. Galesburg's what? 30 minutes. Why do I suck at remembering how long it takes to Galesburg? Because it, it isn't that far. My yeah. sister was actually born in Galesburg because at the time my mom lived, they lived in, uh, I can't remember. Did they live in? Oh, I was going to say Galva, but I don't think they lived there. Hmm. Huh, here I go going. Don't know. <laughs> Not sure where my mom lived. Maybe it was Cambridge. But anyhow, Galesburg's pretty close to Kiwani. Uh, like I said earlier, it's determined a city. And I actually did a little digging into how many people do you need to have to have a city. And apparently over in Europe and other countries, there are like standards for <laughs> how many people are difference between a town and a city. And we don't really do that in, the, in American English. So you can call it the city of Kiwani with your 12,000 inhabitants. Same thing with Galesburg with 32,000. I think of, you know... Chicago, when you say a city, Uh when you're getting into the millions, it's a city. Yeah. (laughs) Small city, I'm thinking, I don't know, Asheville, North Carolina. I don't know. Just throwing these out there. Maybe over 100,000 at least. I mean, I don't know. Anyhow, so I could get hung up on like words, even though I joke that I have problems with words. Part of that's probably, I don't know, getting older, also knowing a couple foreign languages. It's like, I learn a word, I forget a word, and then I get stuck trying to think of words. Anyhow, so it was founded on land that was originally home to what we would have called the Illini Indian tribe. Um, When I was actually looking this up, I could go on and on about Wikipedia. Maybe I'm behind on how we uh, use terminology anymore with regard to the indigenous peoples, but when I looked on in Wikipedia, they said it was originally home to semi-nomadic communities of the Illinois Confederacy. And I'm going, okay, Galesburg was created in like 1830. So are we talking like Confederate states here? <laughs> like Civil War? No. Apparently, um, and doing a little more digging, I'm not sure that the indigenous people actually use that term, uh, Illinois Confederacy, because it seems to be kind of split off a little bit. Anyhow, stuff, words. It was, um, and uh, basically, Galesburg was founded by a gentleman named George Washington Gale, hence it is his berg. Hmm. Another word that's used in other, <laughs> that would be the size of a very small town in good old German. Uh, and basically, uh, he was a Presbyterian minister from New York State who had dreamed of establishing a manual labor college, or so they called it which is now known as Knox College. Um, What they call a manual manual labor college, maybe that is the correct terminology from the 1830s. Basically think of it as like a trade school or like, it's kind of like Lincoln Tech plus still teaching you history and kind of more like high schools over in Europe where they had trade schools, but you still took English, math, and those other um, social sciences type classes. Anyhow. Um, so a committee from New York purchased 17 acres in Knox County in 1835. 
The first 25 settlers around in, arrived in 1836. They built temporary cabins in Log City near what's currently known as Lake Story, just north of Galesburg, having decided not to have log cabins in the side of the town because they wanted it to be, you know, more forward and a new town. So no log old type uh, buildings. I don't know. Just weird. So Galesburg was actually pretty forward and progressive. Besides the fact that they wanted it to be all new and shiny, they actually had the, they had the first established abolitionists in Illinois within the next year in 1837. And it was a stop on the Underground Railroad. This city was the site of the fifth Lincoln-Douglas debate, um, basically at Knox College. Uh, Knox College continues to remain uh, main old stay. The under, there's an Underground Railroad Museum as well as Lincoln-Douglas Debate Museum within the Alumni Hall. It's also the home of two other people of note, if you will. Uh, Mary Ann Bickerdyke, that's a name, who provided hospital care for Union soldiers during the Civil War. She was known as Mother Bickerdyke, basically from June 9th of 1861 through March 20th of 1865, uh, she was serving. Uh, she worked the total of 19 battlefields. She became a hospital administrator at some point in time during the Civil War. And it all began that she said she would carry aid from her hometown church to uh, front lines. And what she saw there, she decided she needed to provide her services as a nurse and was the head nurse within five months. She continued the nursing and, it, and continued rolling forward with, as the railroad um, took them closer and closer to different battle lines. And she expanded into administration after she just kept plowing forward with things like, hey, we came to this new field hospital. There's, there are no clean linens. So she shipped the linens back to Chicago, had the Chicago Suburban Sanitary Con uh, Commission send forth washing machines. She was just a force to be reckoned with. So that's how she ended up being an administrator. So she was responsible for establishing 300 field hospitals during the war and served as a lawyer assisting veterans and their families with obtaining pensions after the war. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, wow. Talk about a, a forward-leaning, very powerful woman in the yeah. 18, you know, 1860s. That's just amazing. Very, very cool. Because I hadn't heard much about her. The next person, however, yeah, I didn't know <laughs> that anybody outside of Illinois knew that Carl Sandburg existed, but apparently there's a Carl Sandburg Middle School in Virginia. Ah. <laughs> one of my friends, her daughter goes there, one of my friends from the military. I'm like, hey, I know that town. I, I know that <laughs> name. Yeah. He's actually a Pulitzer Prize winning poet, and author, and historian. He won three Pulitzers, uh, two for his poetry and one for his biogra biography, I can do words again, of Abraham Lincoln. So, pretty interesting. He was widely regarded during his lifetime as a major figure in contemporary literature. Um, he, various works of his, uh, Chicago poems, corn huskers. <laughs> so I guess we can blame him for the for name of the Nebraska, Nebraska football, football team. team. Yeah. <laughs> And Smoke and Steel. His uh, boyhood home is now an Illinois Historic Preservation Site uh, and a historic site. His site contains the cottage where he was born, a modern, modern museum, and the rock under which he and his wife Lillian are buried. So it's a thing. 
<laughs> so um, Galesburg, you may have figured this out, maybe not. Um, Kiwani grew up around the railroads, so did Galesburg. It was actually the intersection of a bunch of uh, different rails, and it was the uh, right in between two of the biggest cities at the time, Chicago and Quincy. Quincy, Iowa. Anyhow. Or no, Quincy is in Illinois. It I, is in Illinois. Yeah. Why do I think it's in Iowa? I don't know. Meh. Anyhow. Meh. Words. Uh, Burlington. Burlington is. is in Iowa. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, uh, it was just a big railroad hub. The Chicago, Burlington, and Quincy Railroad cited major rail uh, sorting yards there. And it was the first to use bump hump sorting, which I was going to look up and I didn't. Sorry. I'll have to look it up later. Um, <laughs> so essentially, it's just it, there were a lot of rail yards there. Um, it connected to Atkinson, Topeka, Santa Fe Railway, connected service through Chicago there. So Galesburg, Galesburg actually built its own railroad depot. And um, one of the things, basically, the uh, like story, which I talked about a minute ago, it was uh, actually a um, reservoir that was used for the steam engines because the regular reservoir in town, the water was considered too harsh. I wonder if it was anything like the water we grew up with. Possibly. <laughs> that was some bad water. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I remember as a kid going to Lake Story a lot. I have a lot of really good memories. Some mm -hmm. of my, I don't have a lot of pictures from my childhood, but I, a couple in particular that I just found the other day when I was sorting through pictures for my great aunt's funeral, I found a bunch from Lake Story. It was a fun place to go as a kid. So it was originally named Santa Fe, but now named Lake Story for W.B. Story, the president of the railway. Railway. I can do words. So other little things about Galesburg. I know I've been rambling on about Galesburg here. Did you know that George Washington Gale Ferris Jr. was born there? Ooh. He invented the Ferris wheel. Very cool. Since I think we all know what a Ferris wheel is. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> the original Ferris wheel was designed and constructed by him as a landmark for the 1893 World Columbian Exposition in oh. Chicago. There's also a tie to vaudeville. Imagine that. Hmm. And one of the things I thought that was pretty cool is, according to legend, the four of the Marx brothers, Groucho, Chico, Harpo, and Gummo, first received their nicknames at Galesburg's Gaty Theater in 1914. Because nicknames ending in O were popular back in the 20th century. And fellow vaudevillian Art Fisher was supposedly the one who bestowed upon them that name during a poker game. So Zeppo got his name later. Ah, cool. Yeah, just random. So back to Ray May. Now that you've heard everything you ever wanted to know <laughs> and a whole bunch of things you probably didn't about Galesburg. But at least you're more informed now. <laughs> so Gerald was supposed to have a date at midnight on September 25th with the woman he was with on Saturday. So that 17-year-old um, girl. Correct, yes. Uh, he Or no, it wasn't the 17-year-old. It was the married woman. Who, oh, I'm sorry. I can't get... It gets confusing because he, he has so many secretary. women. <laughs> yeah, so apparently he was dating a woman who was married. And then, and we don't know a lot about her. And then we, he was dating the seventeen-year-old. So and also having fun with 
others uh, on other the side. Other people on the side. Yeah, yes. Since he had his midnight date, which is beyond me, I just wonder how many dates a day this guy would have. I mean, yeah. I'm Lots. not joking about the social secretary. I think he really, really needed one. Yeah, he definitely needed one. But basically, um, he didn't show for that date. He called the woman the next morning, claiming that he had been out with her husband. So that's another interesting, I mean. Well, I guess since she was supposed to meet him somewhere, he knew her husband would be the last person she would have been with. Maybe. I, I don't know. This don't is know. just very odd. Um, but he did keep a 10 a.m. coffee date with her that morning after he said he would see her at 2 p.m. At 11 a.m., he picked up the 17-year-old girlfriend and headed to Peoria. So, again, yeah, social calendar. <laughs> I mean, this guy really got Yeah, You, you can't see this in, on radio, but I'm just, like, smacking my own head going, wait, when? I, I really do think we need to, like, do a Venn diagram of his day. Yeah. Um, so the story, then, is... The same about the 17-year-old girl. Okay, so he, this is, I apologize, because I'm just, there's all kinds of details with him that gets a little confusing. Well, so if he wasn't dating half of Galesburg, yeah. maybe you could keep it straight. That is true. So basically, him and the girl, you know, they went, they were heading to Peoria. They stopped at the gun store. And then um, originally I had read something where they went on to Peoria and got a hotel room, but that's not the case. They actually came back to Galesburg and he stayed at her house, um, the girl's house, where he... Well, it it sounds like, so basically they went to Knoxville, had lunch. Yeah. They're rolling down the highway, and that's when he shot the gun. Yep. It sucked. Yes. They stopped at a gas station, called the gun store back. Although he wasn't actually calling the gun store. He was calling the woman, the married woman. The married woman to tell her, yeah. Tell her that he wasn't actually going to see her. At two. At two. And then they stopped back at Knoxville after Peoria to exchange Exchange the gun. gun. Because, yeah, we read a bunch of... There were like three or four different guns that were mentioned. So I don't know if it's just because the people who were writing these stories didn't know anything about guns or it was just that confusing. We weren't very good at tracking what gun because he started out with supposedly a Spanish gun. Right. And then he exchanged the gun for a 7.65 caliber American gun is what I had read in one article. But another article said it was a German gun. So. Who knows? Yeah, you know. It was a gun. <laughs> it was it was a weapon that in which you could put bullets and go bang. Yep. So the dealer loaded the gun with eight cartridges. He test fired five of them, unloaded the cartridges, giving the gun and remaining cartridges to Gerald. I have no idea if he bought more bullets than that. If I did I yeah. So I'm just trying to think of what now my brain is going, what kind of gun would this be? Well it wasn't a quote unquote six shooter now if it was one that could hold eight do i know of any though yeah now i'm like thinking this through and should have done yeah Yeah, you know it it, there wasn't a lot of information out there it was just what was in the newspaper articles so i don't know a ton about guns that are older i know more about newer ones after um the gun thing um (laughs) thing (laughs) 
him and his 17-year-old girlfriend went back to her house where they watched TV until 9.15. Then it was probably her bedtime because she was, you know, 17. (laughs) Um, The next report of him was at midnight at the Grand Avenue Club where he danced with a woman who he told he could tell her something that would, quote, shock your socks off and curdle your blood. Why not? He also mentioned the gun he had bought because of trouble with a girlfriend's husband. He also commented that he would have to shoot himself if he shot the husband. He spent Saturday night at the home of an Abingdon friend. Uh, Sunday, the two men went to... Aquaqua. 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 It's it's all these lovely... The Illini tribe. Yes. Name of a town that... Well, means so many towns around here that are actually Indian names. Right. Kiwani included. Um, so this is near Burlington, Iowa. When they returned to Galesburg, he returned to the home of the 17-year-old. He told her he had to return to Chicago to go back to work. Instead, he went to Glen Carbon to visit his two of his sons. Um, Monday, he visited a home in Galesburg. Doesn't say what home... Um, but he went there around 11 p.m. where he remained until after midnight. Um, then the next report of him was Tuesday morning. They, he apparently left his clothing wrapped in a blanket on the porch of the 17-year-old. Um, he was then found mortally wounded in his car. He left a note stating that a redhead would be found in a cornfield near, near Galesburg three miles east of Johnny's Italian village. Actually, three miles east or west. Or west, yeah. That's another thing. I don't know if he actually said Johnny's Italian village or if he just said Johnny's. Could have been. This is another thing that came in the different reports we read. There was a Johnny's tavern and a Johnny's Italian Italian village. And wasn't there a Johnny's bar too? Yeah, there was just tap or something. Yeah, Yeah, Johnny's tap. So so he was found alive, but he later died at Peoria Hospital. He never regained consciousness. Um, A coroner's jury could not determine if Mr. Robinson had committed suicide or if he was the victim of a shooting. Um, He was found in his car with the gun beside him, but no gunpowder burns were found on his hands. Now, he was worked at on the hospital, so... Yeah, and they also didn't find any contact burns on his uh, head either. But again, that could be explained away by yeah. them trying to save his life. So at this time, um, the search for Ray May was going on. Uh, she had been reported missing by her family. and The by... very next morning. Yes. So um, she they don't know where she is. They're looking for her. Um, they believe that. Mr. Robinson is the one that killed her and that, you know, wherever, whatever he did with her, that, you know, this was a clue. Um, so more than a hundred people, including Boy Scouts. And we have had a lot of discussions about the Boy Scouts. Hey, mom, I want to go look for a dead body. (laughs) Can you sign this permission slip? (laughs) Sorry. Um, yeah. So they were... Supposed to search cornfields in the area for Ray May. Um, more than 300 people were supposed to search, but because of the weather, only about 100 people showed up. 
Boy Scouts were approved by the um, Prairie Council to participate, and parents had to sign a permission slip, as we were kind of <laughs> talking about. What in the world is the, did this permission slip say? Yes. Um, and why is it so cool to go check for dead bodies? Well, I mean, for a little young boy, boy maybe, maybe, until they find but, them. I mean, the trauma was probably... We didn't care about that back then. No, but... Yeah. It's 1959. Uh, kind of weird to think about a bunch of Boy Scouts tramping through cornfields looking for a dead body. I don't know, but you know, um, it was 1959. Um, in interviewing people who knew Robinson, a common theme with women who had gone on dates with him, in particular, women with red hair, stated that they got home from their dates with torn clothing. So he obviously. Um, had issues with redheads. Yes, and maybe even some other issues. He, well, that yeah. too. So. Okay, now for another fun fact. You may remember from the last episode about the Hennepin Canal, we discussed the YMCA, and we were just like, why would the Y teach people to swim in a canal? Yeah. That just blew both of our minds. I mean, we... I. We went to the Y to go swimming in the swimming that pool. That was like the primary reason to join the Y when I was a kid. Yes. And I remember being really upset when we didn't join the Y because I really wanted to go to the pool. Yes. Anyhow, I found out that the first reported YMCA swimming bath was built at the Brooklyn, New York, Central YMCA in 1885. By the end of that year, it was reported that 17 Ys had pools. I actually found an article from, of all places, Massachusetts uh, from 2008 that was on the uh, 100th anniversary of the Y teaching swimming. So um, don't mind some of the pros. I'll break out of it, too. It's like, as the weather warms, swimming is again on our minds as many across the North Shore flock to beaches and to pools. YMCA programs have been influencing the sport of swimming and teaching children aquatic safety for 100 years the country's i said the first swimming bath was housed in uh, brooklyn ymca and this was from salem massachusetts it was one of the first in the country to have an indoor filtered swimming pool in the early 1900s with the invention of quality filtration systems for swimming pools came the invention of the formal swimming lesson deaths from drowning were increased each, were increasing each year so the Y set out to teach the basics of swimming. In 1909, the Y launched a campaign to teach every man and boy in North America to swim. Why only boys? We'll get to that in a minute because it was the YMCA. George Corson of the Detroit YMCA created the concept of the group swimming lesson. Within four years, he had perfected his method and presented it to the National YMCA. The idea caught on, and Corson was asked to travel around the country teaching large group lessons. Until the last 50 years or so, the YMCA was literally for young men. That would be what the first two letters stand for. In a newspaper article from Salem Wise Archives dated April 6, 1950, read that the Y would be open one day a week to women because the program had been successful in Lynn and Beverly. By the fall, the Salem Y offered swimming lessons to both men and women, and in February 1951, the Salem Y began offering life-saving classes to girls as well. Hmm. You know, 
girls. Yeah. We we, we deserve to not drown. That Thanks. would be great. Yeah. <laughs> Susan Gurdon, the aquatics director of the Marblehead Swamp Scott YMCA, that's a name, this is from 2006, <laughs> recalls, when I started 39 years ago, women could not swim with the men. I think I was the first one allowed. Men and women had separate times they could use the pool. When they finally combined swim times, the men were not very happy. <laughs> Over the years, Gerton has taught thousands of children to swim. We used to run swim meets in the tiny pool. There was no room for spectators or swimmers on deck. The grandchildren of my first official class now swim at the Y. My first assist assistant, though in her late 70s, is still a lifeguard and participates in master's swim. So apparently this is an older lady. Yeah. I didn't actually say how old she was. Oh, there's another one. Yeah, Jim Manning. So swimming lessons are a staple of the Y. Um, local Ys held learn to swim weeks, uh, which were run under the direction of dedicated staff members, like for Salem, this gentleman named Jim Manning. Manning, who joined the YMCA staff in 1935, and continued to be involved right up until his passing in 2003, also pioneered life-saving classes at the Salem Y. Learning, uh, turning journey, during Learn to Swim Week, any boy in the fifth grade and up was invited to take a week of lessons for free as a public service to the city. As the program has grown, so have the facilities, and many of the local Ys boasting multiple pools for lap swim, recreational swim, aqua aerobics, and rehabilitation, as well as outdoor pools for summer recreational swim. I guess I've just never been to a big Y. I well, and I mean, like our our YMCA in Kiwani, I we had a swim team. I was on swim team right for a while. And did it have more than one pool? I thought it only had no. The one we only pool. had the one pool, but it was like dedicated to to those of us on the swim team for certain times. And um, yeah, I don't remember. I don't. We didn't have an outside pool. It was just no, an inside No, it was just the inside pool. Well, I mean, that makes sense. It's yeah. Illinois. Yeah. Um, I mean, even up until more recent years, not a lot of people had outdoor pools mm -mm. in Illinois because they didn't make any sense. Yeah. But now, I mean, with heating systems, you can expand the time into the fall a little bit. But anyhow. Right. So, I mean, it was just a lot of interesting stuff about the why. And I, I am now... in. Sitting here thinking, hmm, do, what, what, what do we do with these Ys that have lots of pools? I now want to go to a local Y to just check it out. Because <laughs> we are yeah. in a, a metropolitan area now, so maybe some of the Ys around here. I, I, I'm just floored by how large this Y in Salem, Massachusetts was. But this goes back to that whole YMCA was for youth and men's services first, and then women, it got opened up to women later. Mm -hmm. But it really did um, put forth and change how we looked at water safety. Mm -hmm. I think that's pretty cool. That's cool. So Ray May was found on October 13th, 1959, with her hands tied behind her back, and she had been strangled with a men's undershirt. She was partially clothed. Um, basically, her waist down had been uncovered. Uh, the coroner's jury ruled she had met death by strangulation. Uh, it's believed she had been raped. I mean, the clothing situation kind of points to that. Right. It's not like back then they were doing rape kits like they do nowadays. Right. 
A farmer, Eddie Youngquist, found her. She was naked from the waist down. The killer had left a $10 bill under a handkerchief beside her body. Her hands, yeah, her hands were bound behind her with a part of a man's white shirt. It had been 14 days since Gerald Robinson was found. Uh, An empty pack of cigarettes was found near the body. One of her shoes was about three feet from her. The other shoe was in between her feet. Uh, The pack of cigarettes was also his brand. Um, Her death occurred between 12... that I can speak 12 10 a.m. and 2 a.m. on Saturday September 26 1959 when she was with him obviously Um, funeral services were held on October 15th at Seifert Creamer funeral home which is now the Rux funeral home in Kiwani which we're familiar with yeah it's such a gorgeous old mansion yeah it is it's really a beautiful place um and she was laid to rest in evergreen memorial gardens in kiwani illinois uh ray may was known to be devoted to her children um in reading it was a shock that she had not returned for the kids uh when she said she was going to a part of the reason that she had been reported missing so quickly was that you know she wasn't known to leave her children Right. When she said she was going to be back, she was going to be back. And yeah. she had made the other um, request of her landlady to wake her as six. So right. there were people who were like, hey, this isn't her norm. Right. Now, of course, you know, you could see t- back then people being, oh, well, she's just a floozy. Mm-hmm. Well, we, we now know you're allowed to have fun. Right. And she um, was only 15 when she had her, her first child. So she didn't go to high school, you know. Um, she was a waitress. She, she was actually twice divorced. Um, you know, she. it sounds like she had a rough start. I mean. And, you know, she finally had things pretty much going for mm-hmm. her. She had enough to live on. Because even though the dollar amount seemed really small, she had more than enough before she even got her waitress pay to make sure that the her kids children were taken care of. had a roof over the head and they had food coming to them and she had a nice network of people that watched them for her. Mm-hmm. So it really did sound like she had a thing and you know that she called her mom and said she found this really great guy. You just really wonder. Right. You know, I mean he was such a womanizer. He had yeah. so many women. And he definitely. He had to have schmoozed oh, so well. Oh yeah. And he must have been quite pretty. Yes. With his um, construction carpenter muscles, I'm guessing. I don't right. know. Just throwing that piece in there. Um, I only found the name of one of her children, Sandra Rounds, who was 10 years old at the time of her death. Um, her ex-husband, James Rounds of Coal Valley, was awarded custody of all three of their children after her death. Um, he already had custody of one of their children, the oldest one, and then after her death... He was awarded custody of the other two children. Um, he was her first ex-husband. I didn't find a lot on her, uh, anything really on her second husband. Right. Um, her parents, though, were awarded visitation rights for weekends in the summer of the one child, Sandra Rounds. Yeah, the middle child, mm-hmm. the one that was 10 upon her death. Yeah, it just probably... And unlike now, we would have been able to probably search some 
open source court records with about with regard to mm-hmm. um, custody. But again, their names would have been taken, wouldn't have been in there. Right. But in Back any then, case, <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure the only reason one of them made the somebody saw, oh, hey, this is that lady that was murdered. Right. Otherwise, yeah, they probably wouldn't have even made the paper. Yeah. So since we have an extra few minutes here, I'm going to read you a little story I wrote um, last week for my horror writing class. It's called Haunted Real Estate. And I also want to throw another shout out to Doris because she kind of was chatting with me when I was writing some of these details and she definitely helped me with it. So thank you, Doris. Yay, Doris. (laughs) I looked at my watch. 3.15. They should be here any minute. I really hope this is the last showing of this damn house. I hate going in there. I brushed off a chill of my... uh, I brushed a chill off of my body. Sorry, I can speak. Uh, Suck it up, buttercup. Get this house sold, and then I can forget this place even existed. Thank God they are early. Please buy this house. Welcome. It's so nice to see you again. You picked a real gem here. This is a turn-of-the-century Victorian home that was built in 1890. You don't see many of these on the market anymore. You get a 1.4 acres of land with it. Really a stunning find. I go to the front door. The lock is such a pain. I should have opened this before they got here. Damn it. Finally, the door opens with a bit of force. Shit. He's starting. The antique plate above is swaying. Hopefully they don't notice. This grand entry is second to none. The cherry floors, wood fireplace, and staircase are all original. Oh, the light. It's just from opening the front door. Don't just ignore that swaying. Why don't we move into the parlor? Another original fireplace, and the views of the garden are just lovely. Ah, no, freaking freezing spot let's move into the dining room yes it's just a little draft but you know that's an easy fix with the stick on plastic for the windows i quickly knock off a shiver and hope they don't notice the formal dining room is just exquisite with the original tile surround and original pattern cherry hardwood floors and look at these gorgeous stained glass windows you don't see many of these original windows anymore oh no 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 footsteps overhead. Okay, I need to walk louder and get them into another room. This way is the spacious living room. Take a look at the magnificent original crown moldings and detailed woodwork. The kitchen is a little dated but very spacious and you have an enormous butler pantry over here. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I'm so clumsy today. Spoon flew off the counter on its own and I had to lose my balance acting as though I knocked it off. Okay, please stop. I need to sell this house, ghosts. No one is going to buy it if you keep scaring them away. Keep calm, keep calm. You can do this. Why don't we head upstairs? There are five bedrooms and three bathrooms on this floor. The master bedroom is really stunning. How many bathrooms you have you been in where you have your own sitting area? For an older home, the closets are very spacious. I open the closet door to see orbs of light floating around. Quit shutting it oh this um you don't want to look in here the owner left some things i don't think they really wanted anybody to see let's go to this one over here oh thank god it's empty 
As you can see, this one has plenty of space for clothes, even some storage. Water shoots out of one of the faucets. Please stop already. Oh, you know these old houses. I'm sure we can have someone fix this. I walk over and quickly shut off the water. One of the four bedrooms are perfect for children or guests. They're quite spacious. This one is a la lovely lavender color. Oh my god, blood dripping down the walls, really? I'm so sorry. They were just starting to paint this room and must not have gotten far before you came. Is there anywhere in this house where a ghost isn't trying to interfere in this sale? Let's go to the third floor. There's a great library with some amazing views. Really, cigar smoke. Oh, this is an awful smell. I think the owner likes to come up here and smoke cigars. There's potential for an entertainment area up here. Nice. Flickering lights. Just great. I know it may seem like a lot, this big old house, some plumbing issues, some electrical issues, but all of that is easy fixed. Ima imagine just uh, the number of books you could store in here and then sitting in this area for reading. It's just perfect. I glance outside. A man is walking in the front yard. He turns and looks at the house and has black eyes. Uh, they see him too. Crap. Oh, him, he's just the groundskeeper from like a hundred years ago. I probably wouldn't invite him in, otherwise he's fine. There's an extra bedroom and bathroom over here. Did they forget to unlock this door? What the hell? Well, I guess this will be a surprise if you buy the house. Let's head back down and I'll show you the basement and laundry room. There's a laundry chute on every floor so you don't have to take the laundry down. Squeak! The door just opened on its own. I laugh. I don't know what else to do. I guess it was just stuck. <laughs> do you want to take a look before we head down? No? Okay. I don't think this is going to end well. I guess I'm just going to need a bottle of wine and a bath to get through this after this. Ugh, suck it up. Ten more minutes and they seem interested in the house. Perhaps I can still salvage this. The laundry room is here and the chute is right here. Just great. Thank you so much, ghosts. I really needed a piece of clothing to land right on my head. I pull it off and set it on the washer. I guess it was stuck. Over here you have a spacious storage area next to the Kiwani boiler. They don't make these anymore, but you can still have it serviced and fixed. Surprisingly for how old it is, it's in fantastic condition, and it will save you a ton on heating the house as well as your water. You just had to groan. I was just saying what a wonderful piece of machinery you are, you piece of shit. It is old. But I grew up in the town that made these, and if you maintain it, it will last forever. This door over here, well, um, damn, they opened the door. Yes, the current owner is a doctor. I think he keeps some old medical equipment in there. Nothing to worry about. They will move it out before you move in. Let's head back up to the foyer. Oh, God, no. I quickly stop. I can't explain the floating hot furniture, and now there are orbs, too. Damn it. Okay, fine. It's haunted. But imagine the Halloween parties you'd have. Yep, it's over. And they are running for the door. Another one bites the dust. I turn off the lights and lock the front door. I text my boss that he should handle this house from now on. I'm done with this stupid, stupid house. I stick my arm out the window and flip off the house as I pull out of the driveway. Time for that wine. 
<laughs> okay, that's it. My little short story. I hope you enjoyed it. It was kind of silly. And if you couldn't tell, it was all just, you know, me internally talk thinking as walking through the house. Um, and hopefully that wasn't too confusing. I know reading on air, it's a little. Right. And we both really love real estate. It's one of those funny things. We, I love looking at houses. Yes. I know you do too. And I was like trying to imagine it. I love needled Victorian houses. There were a handful of really cool old houses in our hometown. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. down the street from Ruck's funeral home, that one that was white for years when somebody finally bought it and painted those beautiful Victorian colors. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, I liked it, but I'm good. also, I don't know, a bit of a fan. <laughs> well, thank you. And I hope you all enjoyed it. And I also wanted to talk a little bit um, about our Patreon. Um, so we've set up where people can donate if they want to support us. And with that, um, I actually set up a, um, an area on my website, which is melissacannon.com. Um, and whenever you donate to us, you will actually get content from us. So it'll be like our release notes, links to some of the um, places where we got the information. I'll have some pictures, you know, um, just something to say thank you for supporting us. And I guess on today's episode, we'll have to conclude some links to, I don't know, Club Plotties. Yes. <laughs> the various uh, newspaper sources that we use as well. Yeah. Um, support your small uh, local newspapers. That's how we keep this information alive. Yes. So um, just wanted to say thank you for listening to us at Nothing, Nothing Happens, Happens in, in a, a Small Town. town where things do happen, and small towns are not the quiet, quaint places you think they are. Yeah, but you, you still want to lock your doors. Be careful of that cute guy <laughs> who works in Chicago. Yeah, <laughs> no kidding. He's got 50 girlfriends. It's okay. Yeah. Um, so you can find our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash nothing happens in a small town. Instagram, our user profile is nothing, nothing happens in a small town. Our Twitter user profile is nothing, nothing happens in a small town or at N H I A S T. Facebook is nothing, nothing happens at a small town at N H I A S T 2021. And Gmail is nothing, nothing happens in a small town at gmail.com. So, you know, drop us a line, say hello, give us an idea for an episode. We have a few. Um, I was... Some are from our listeners. Yeah. We really enjoy that, by the way. And... It's cool. And we have a new one um, that I just got the other night from a friend of mine, Kathy Bailey, uh, used to be Kathy Vigor, and uh, that is another local Illinois story, so we will be telling that one in the future. Cool. So, yeah, I didn't know Kathy so much, but I went to school with, I believe her brother was in my class, Matt. I don't know. I my For we, some reason, my mind is blanking. I can't remember. I'm so sorry, Kathy. That's all right. Well, I don't. It's one of those. I remember the one because he was yeah. in my class, of course. Yeah. When you have a class of how many people? Far less than 30. You tend to remember everybody's name. And for some reason, details of whose brothers, whose cousins, whose whatever, I can't seem to. My well, brain there was is a not bigger, functioning. Yeah, there was a bigger thing with my 
my class and my sister's class, because you're four years younger than mm-hmm. me, my class and my sister's class, we had so many siblings that were in both of our classes. Mm-hmm. And that we were four years apart. And you're just like, oh, yeah, we got this person, like the graphs. We got, yeah, there's a lot of people that were in both of our classes. So it was cool. We just haven't done as much reminiscing about that right. as my sister and I have. So, But... Anyhow, so if you would like to submit um, something that you are, you know, a story that you would like to tell us, you know, that we should we should do for our one of our episodes, please do. We're, and if we you really come to do. town, we might even drag you in to have you talk about it. <laughs> yes, dad. <laughs> yes, dad, you're coming on whether you like it or not. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, good night, all. Hope have you... a great one. Bye.